by salsa competition, I mean salsa dancing. Oh, well, <laughs> that is that is important. Welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All. This is your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And with me, as always, is Prasanna Maliande. Although we do work for Druva, this is not an official Druva podcast, and the opinions that you hear are our own. We have a special guest today. She is the Senior Director of Legal and Data Protection Officer for Druva. She speaks four languages plays classical piano, and competes in salsa. I am awed. She's been a lawyer for seven years, and I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Eugenia Wazogel. Thank you. And to clarify, by salsa competition, I mean salsa dancing. Oh, well, <laughs> that, is, that is important. I, I compete in salsa as well, but the other kind of salsa, that is an important differentiator. So I, I wanted to have you on, Eugenia, because there was this story that came out, I think that was just yesterday. So Eugenia, I wanted to talk about this ruling of, of, of about GDPR yesterday. Yesterday. Why don't you tell us what what you think we heard about yesterday? And also to give my own disclaimer, since I am an attorney, I do represent Druva and Druva only, and sharing my opinions during any sort of podcasts or this kind of talks uh, does not necessarily mean I'm giving a legal advice. But if there are any questions around any of the content, I'm very happy to answer them. The ruling itself was in a very narrow scenario where Google, as you all know, global search engine, uh, had a request, a request to be forgotten by one of the European users, right? And basically, uh, the user had some content that was available through Google when you search it, and they wanted to take it down because it did have some personal data as defined by GDPR, present in there. Now, according to the GDPR, every European resident has a right to have their personal data deleted within 30 days from the request. And unless the business has a legitimate purpose to keep that data, and there are a bunch of exceptions to that, I'm not going to go into it, then they have to follow the request. The interesting thing about this particular ruling is that it focused less about what that request was, but more about the question of policy and jurisdictional applicability. And what I found to be interesting about it is policy really took over anything else in this argument. So Google's argument there was that we are a global search engine. Our business is to make sure that people are informed and they get access to information. We believe that an individual country's or European Union's GDPR rules are too broad and they limit our ability to share important information with general public and, and by that do our job, uh, which is a really fair argument. And the second piece of it, and I think that's the one that everybody focused on more, was the fact that, well, how can one country or one jurisdiction tell the rest of the world how to do their business 
And that was more around, you know, jurisdictional applicability of the ruling. It seems like the media focused too much on the second argument, which is a much more minor argument uh, than the first argument, which is really the key argument in this whole case, is that, yes, in some scenarios, when there is, you know, a legitimate business purpose, really, and there is a public interest in having information available to larger public, there has to be a balancing test of public interest versus individual privacy rights. Let me ask you about that. So it, it sounds like that first argument, they were making that same argument both for their companies within the EU and outside of the EU, basically saying the data that this person is asking us to delete, that there's public interest in that data. This isn't the same as saying delete marketing information. This was public records about this person that they were specifying uh, they should be able to keep. It, 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 am I correct there that, that it was both in and outside of the EU? Yes, you are okay. correct. Uh, okay. But I mean, the argument was made in the, in the court, in the international court in the UK. Right. So UK was making this decision. Also, I would like to give you a bit of a, this is a Brexit wrinkle as well, right? Uh, given the current situation, you will see a lot of rulings that, uh, will be scrutinized because of the Brexit mm-hmm. and impending Brexit, right? So I uh, I don't know how much weight I would give any GDPR related decisions that come out of the UK. Um, Actually, let me let me ask you about that. So help mm-hmm. for, for those of us that don't follow this, you know, the degree to which I'm sure you are as our, as our DPO. Help me understand what that means when. You know, so there were, I forgot how many judges they said voted, uh, 13, right? Help me understand this. There's the GDPR court or whatever it is within the UK. I know there's one in Ireland. Like each country has, I've seen stories about different GDPR organizations from different countries. Can you just sort of help me understand that from a broader context? Yeah, it's not as complicated as it sounds, really. Uh, so pretty much the latest decision always rules. So yes, you and they're all equal, right? So there's no such thing. They, they don't have a system like a Supreme Court and okay. federal courts. Like they just say, okay, we choose to use this ju- this particular court to settle this claim because there are jurisdictional ties to this particular jurisdiction. So in this case, the claim of for request for deletion came because of the UK citizen or resident asked for it, right? Okay. So if it was in the Ireland, they would go to Ireland. If it was in France, it would be in France. So they're all equal. And are these judges? Are these judges that are on these panels? I don't know if that's the right word, but are they unique judges for each country, or do these judges move around? They typically don't move around. I have not seen that much, but I may be wrong. I haven't been really seen every single like. I don't really look at the makeup of every single court. Because that, so that is that's just a. That's just a really unique way, to, f- from my vantage point, a unique way to make a ruling about something that affects so many different countries, right? Yeah, and that's exactly where you will see a lot of um, variation, right? Because not only do we have GDPR, but we also have individual countries with their individual data privacy laws, right? Nobody focuses on that much because everybody is just talking about GDPR, but in Germany, for example, 
uh, consent is a double consent. It's not just one um, one sided consent. So you have to consent once and you have to consent twice to have your data collected. Mm. Um, same for Switzerland, for example. But Germany operates within uh, the European Union, right? Right. And technically, they're also subject to GDPR, but their rules are much more uh, restrictive. Yeah. So you can you you can have more restrictive rules, like in the case of yeah. GDPR or Germany, but their their rule their more restrictive rules also comply to GDPR. Right. Right. So because so let's say you have a more restrictive rule about data deletion in in Germany. Okay. Even though, uh, you know, one court decides that, oh, this is not going to apply anymore, Germany can still say, yes, it does apply. So what does that really mean then for these courts and rulings in the EU? If the individual countries can kind of say, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. The reason why GDPR is a regulation and not a law is because it's a basic framework that, re- it's, uh, that sets up the minimum standards. And then each individual country can come up with more restrictive laws, and but they have to follow the overall framework, right? Um, so all the countries who didn't have any privacy laws will now have at least GDPR. And then countries that already had laws, they had to kind of frame their laws around GDPR and place it within GDPR. But there's still a lot of variability between countries. So... I guess this is like a very long answer to like how this is all going to play out. And my opinion is that we just don't know, right? Um, I don't think it's safe for companies right now to say, oh, right, to be forgotten is no longer a thing. Um, Well, yeah, I I don't think even my reading of that, uh, I definitely didn't. I I, I understood that part of like that it was that it was there's a public interest here, which which isn't isn't the same as like uh, I think a lot of like data that, that companies collect about you that is more about like marketing and things like that. And that's the kind of data that I think would easily be subject to a, to a uh, right to be forgotten request. Right. Um, right. But I feel like uh, the Facebooks of this world and um, social media companies uh, that have significant interest and obviously over ruling and overturning a lot of GDPR requirements, they Mm -hmm. will start using this case. And I think there's going to be a lot of follow-up decisions um, that will say that, yes, if you're doing it for marketing purposes, you don't really have much of a say in this, right? They have not made it clear. Here, it was a specific case about the search engine, and they agreed that there is a public interest of knowledge and information. And knowledge and information sometimes will trump the um, individual privacy interests. Which is a big ruling in and of itself, right? Oh, it is. It's huge, right? So, and, and I think we all would like that ruling to happen, right? We all want that to be the case. We all want to have access to information. We want to be able to do research. Um, so I would say when it comes to all the other industries, it may become more of an issue. Um, if your employee works in the, in the European union or doesn't even live in the European union, but is a European citizen or something in that matter, right. You can still, there's still a right for them to ask for their data back. Right. Unless you're using it for litigation or long-term retention policies that are consistent with the laws. Um, so with that, 
um, I would say, I don't think this decision will really make a huge impact. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. And like, you know, you mentioned Facebook. I, I think there's a far cry from data in the public interest and, you know, whether or not I posted cute pictures of my granddaughter on Facebook uh, and, right. now, and now I want to delete them. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the the one part that did. It's the part, obviously, that got a lot of, of press because it sounded like the court was saying basically what some of us wondered in the beginning was, yeah, like how can a, you know, a, a, an EU court or regulation or whatever, how can they enforce that? to a company who's in a completely other country and especially the part that is scaring everybody which is the the fines right so how can how can an eu organization fine uh you know a us company for example and i, and I think that's it came across to me again you know a layperson here not a lawyer it, it, that that the that the eu was basically sort of admitting what some of us thought already that they didn't really have the ability or authority to do that. Did did it not read that way to you? Um so what I got out of this was more around you have to have jurisdictional ties in order for this to be enforceable, right? And they found that just because the individual was claiming something from that jurisdiction was not good enough for them to have those ties. And uh, interestingly, the United States law is uh, very similar to that um, when it comes to state versus federal and um, right, right. Which, which laws apply. So it wasn't necessarily completely, um, you know, not substantive, right? right. So it does make sense. Um, I will say that enforceability in the global economy will become more and more vague as we move forward. Um, I don't think you need to necessarily have um, an established entity within the country in order to enforce regulation anymore. And the UK court said, yes, you need to have an entity in the UK for the UK to come in and fine you, right? Right. Um, and you have to have Europeans with present within this jurisdiction filing a claim against you. Um, I think that even the, if you go by like what the, where the global economy is going, if you have substantial business presence within a particular jurisdiction, uh, that's what the regulators can go after. Yeah. So now, if you, in this, would, would, could I use the term nexus in that? Yes. If you have nexus yes. in that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I, th I think there's still going to be more opinions on that and there's still going to be more um, court rulings on that because um, I do think the way that this court ruled was a little bit restrictive and they didn't really leave much room and they said this is very specific. This is how this is going to apply. But in reality, and given again the global nature of current economy, there's no way for them not to be able to extend beyond the jurisdictional borders if they don't have an entity in place. Right. So they were just, like I said, they were just sort of acknowledging something that, that sort of made common sense. Mm -hmm. I, I would add uh, that even if, 
you you take this and just say, well, th- th- even if even if this meant ultimately that the EU cannot find, let's say, a U.S. company that doesn't have nexus in a particular country, uh, that still doesn't mean there is still what we refer to as the court of public opinion. That yeah. that you, if you're a company that's doing business within the EU and you are marketing to people within the EU, it is already a you're going to receive the question, especially if you're doing B2B work, you're going to get that question about data privacy and whether or not your business and your product uh, complies, um, you know, and, and helps other people comply. And you you are complying with the GDPR, um, whether or not you can be fined or not. Uh, that Does that make sense yeah. to you? Yeah, regulatory fines are just a very small piece of the whole equation, right? In our business, we, um, you know, Druva doesn't necessarily have offices in France, but if we have a French customer, they'll make sure that every contractual agreement will contain obligations under the GDPR and will also make sure that we are obligated to respond to their data subject requests. Right, So. I would say yes. In the B two B space, it's it's contractually uh, resolved in that way. You just not necessarily. You may not be fined. I also think that GDPR uh, went a little too far with having fines on the global revenue as opposed to the revenue generated from that specific country. Um, I think because of the global revenue piece, uh, the then unenforceability is more likely than when you're talking about. Just whatever revenue you generated in the UK, that's the revenue we're going to be finding. Um, so I don't know if they just wanted to make it so uh, onerous so that companies start complying faster. Uh, and then maybe they already thought that it's not going to be really enforceable, but they just wanted everybody to comply. And this is exactly what happened. Or they just didn't think it through. Uh, but I think there are going to be changes around that as well. Yeah. So, but you, you definitely, as a company, U.S. or not, EU or not, it, well, definitely, definitely not if you're in the EU. But if you're, un, you cannot read this story and say, well, gee, I don't need to comply with the GPR. Uh, definitely, that's not the case. But you, you, you maybe might be able to look at the story and say. Well, maybe this might mean that if I mess up and I have a GDPR violation, I might not get fined. But again, I still, I still, I submit the court of public opinion. You, you can get fined as I make quotes in the air by not being able to do business in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for businesses, it's disastrous not to comply. Yeah. and you know, with the CCPA coming in January. Um, I think those individual rights requests are just going to be more and more common um, from every jurisdiction. I think that uh, GDPR it was just the beginning. I think that every country um, in the global economy will have some sort of framework uh, where individuals can inquire around data and have rights re- individual rights requests. Uh, so... I think GDPR is just one piece of the puzzle. I think CCPA will cause just as much uproar and there's going to be just as much uh, litigation around it. And knowing that the United States is very notorious for litigating everything, I think we're going to have all sorts of cases around that as well. You know, um, not everybody but, knows what the CCPA is. I was just going to ask. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, in my world, I think everybody knows. Uh, so CCPA is a uh, California Consumer Privacy Act. A lot of, I think a lot means, of people are calling it the California GDPR. Do you think that's a, a fair? Yeah, yeah, there definitely, there's a lot of uh, commonalities. Right. Uh, so it's the most restrictive, the most comprehensive piece of legislation to date in the United States around data privacy. All right, we're going to have to have you. We're um, going to have to have you back to speak just about uh, GCPA because yeah, we don't yeah, have enough and, time. But, but in but in like in, in a like two minute summary, yes, it's a practically a, it's a cross jurisdictional application law that says if you're touching data of uh, California consumers and their households, by the way, so personal information is not just limited to individuals, but also their households, mm-hmm. um, you are now subject to this law. It applies as much to your employees as it applies to your consumers and your customers. Um, the consumer gener- uh, the consumer term is a little vague because it actually does apply to B2B space just as much as it applies to uh, consumer space. Um, there are rights to be for deletion rights to access um yeah rights to correction and and information so there's all sorts of rights that are very similar to gdpr but not exactly the same and um there's a little more leeway in the ccpa around um objections and proof and making sure that the people require requesting information are legitimate requests. Uh, but it also allows attorney general to go after the company and individuals to sue for failure to comply. So all this means is that the next time we have a major data breach, you'll have a sue of litigation coming out of it. Um, yeah. because there's probably some sort of CCPA violation. Because and data security is a huge focus of this particular legislation. So I I think any data company should be very, very focused on getting compliance by January 1st, 2020. Yeah, so if, the, if this is the first time you're hearing about CCPA, um, welcome to the party and make sure make sure to go Google that. And you might want to learn a little bit, a little bit more about uh, CCPA before January 1st. Although, you know, it's just like what happened with the GPR. They talked about it for like years and then, you know, there was no public coverage of it until like two months before it was going live, you know, and then suddenly the whole yeah. world was talking about it. So it, it's very similar. Yeah, they did give it an extension for HR. Uh, so again, HR is completely subject to CCPA, but they did give an extension for HR files and employee files to be in order by 2021. So you still have a year uh, for that, Mm. but they will start enforcing this seriously in 2021. So we need to be ready for that. Goodness. All right. Well, uh, let's see. In summary, you should still comply with GDPR. This little ruling doesn't let you off the hook. Uh, and it was a very specific ruling that really had to do with public interest and wasn't about right to be forgotten in general. And if you haven't heard of the CCPA, you might want to look into that now. How's that for a summary? <laughs> then Google it. <laughs> then Google it, yes. <laughs> Google it and find out the public information about that. And uh, Eugenia, thank you very much for uh, joining our podcast today. My pleasure. And uh, thanks, Prasanna, over there on the other end of the table. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss another episode so that you always will be able to restore it all. 
system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll ride on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space. Source 